Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of the Adventures in Novus. If you are impotent, say woo woo. Woo. The world is literally on fire. Not Novus, but Earth, and that shit is crazy. There is so much smoke outside from the fires covering the western United States, and the winds have brought it up to us. I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but we're from Canada. I'm sorry. And that's enough about that. Anyways, we have our recap from episode two from Travis. Okay, here you go, you hosers. <laughs> that's not what Travis sounds like. <laughs> Dear Journal, episode three. Last time, our riverboats were set upon by huge crocodiles. A strange occurrence on these normally calm waters. After the attack, which we survived thanks to the unhumanly prowess of our guide Akimbo, it was decided the attack was a bad omen, and now only our group will be making the way upriver. So me and my new companions hit the docks and noticed many adventurers were leaving, and only the small group of us was arriving. We march on foot to make the hour and a half trip to Fairhaven. The road is supposed to be safe, <laughs> but we encountered the most terrifying creature I have ever witnessed in the Advent. Bandersnatch. Remind me later to tell you the story about the first time I ever heard about the Bandersnatch. After creping my pants, we make it to an impressive city walled by natural oak trees, a hundred feet tall, and growing so close together that they make an impressive defensive fortification for this fabled city. We go over the drawbridge, passing a moat of just thorns as far as the eye can see, and enter the trader's portion of the city to stay in the sly fox for the night as we wait for our audience with Elder Griff the next day. In the inn, we gather information and learn more about the different clans and politics of the city. And to no one's surprise, Anders gets drunk. But he wins an arm wrestling match to take home a little small purse of his own, which he immediately uses to get more drunk. He resists a fight club after finding out it's illegal. Crick shares his dire warnings of a coming doom. I spend the night with a fine lass named Hunt Helen. The, the only quarrel of the night is a minor incident involving a drunken Anders trying to find his room. But we made it. The next morning comes, our bellies full of lamb, or at least what was told to us was lamb, and make our way to the inner bailey belonging to the dragon clan. Thank you, Travis. Any time. So you're at the gate to the inner bailey, the home of the dragon clan inside Fayhaven. You are facing two large wooden doors, the one on the left with a red dragon carved into it, and the one on the right with a gold dragon. Two Guarian guards stand similar to that of the Queen's Guard of Buckingham Palace at each door. They are standing alert and unmoving with their flambard swords, holding them with both hands at chest level with the points of the sword resting on the ground. When I described the flambard sword, I said they were curved, and that wasn't the best description. They are wavy. They curve back and forth as they go to the tip. Uh, and it's also only the most impressive warriors that you see that are wielding them. Akimbo has brought you here, and when the two guards see Akimbo, you can notice a little, a kind of a smirk that goes on their face before they quickly resume their hardened expressions. They both lift their swords and thump them to the ground when you arrive, and the doors open. You enter the southern side of the bailey and you see a large, impressive four-story log mansion to the west. Above the mansion is a giant white banner with a fearsome-looking dragon head drawn in black with its mouth open, bearing its teeth menacingly. Beside that is another banner showing the spiraling comet of Phrasma. To the east, you see a giant hole in the ground 
ringed with tree trunk sized stakes and guards posted all around it. All the guards have dragon themed tattoos, all with flambards and all with an unflinching don't fuck with me stare. To the north is a large amphitheater dug into the ground. On the stage at the back, there are three chairs carved out of tree stumps. The middle one is larger and more impressive than the other two. You can see Claire is already there in the middle of the stage of the amphitheater. No cloak this time, just in her earth-toned traveler's clothes, and she's barefoot. Without the cloak, you see for the first time long, curly, jet-black hair framing her face, which highlights her slightly tinged green skin tone. She is ankle-deep in a pool of water about four feet in diameter, ringed by eight silver mirrors. The sun is reflecting off both the water and mirrors, creating a beautiful scene as she busies herself, making sure the mirrors are perfectly spaced apart. Take a seat and wait. Do not bother Claire as she prepares. She must focus, Akimbo says as he takes his leave. That was kind of rude. Akimbo's a man of few words. Akimbo's a jerk. <laughs> really good at wrestling out. <laughs> <laughs> It's a fake tour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, we're so dumb. I'm never having a crocodile adventure again. (laughs) I still can't believe we're still fucking that up. (laughs) Only a few groups have taken their seats in the amphitheater, leaving it mostly empty. You count four adventuring parties at all, as well as like a couple solo people sitting by themselves. There is one clear Guarian group, um, and you can tell that from the snake visible tattoos some have fangs on their faces others have differently patterned snakes on different places on their arms and legs and of course they have the guarian garb a warm breeze passes over you at exactly two hands before noon and a horn can be heard in the direction of the mansion and a procession starts to emerge and they all walk towards the altar of the amphitheater in the front of the procession is a bannerman holding a flag with the Dragon Clan symbol floating behind him, followed by three prominent looking figures. The first figure is an older Guarian. He has dragon scale tattoos all over his body and a dragon skull modified to be his helmet. This is no doubt Elder Griff. He has two Guarian women on each of his right and left sides walking parallel with him with flambards tied to their backs. The second figure is much smaller and appears to be a small walking gray clump of hair, not unlike it from the Adams family. <laughs> when he gets a little closer, you don't you can't even see eyes or a mouth because his eyebrows and facial hair are just so long and wild. There are small birds flying in and out of his hair at various places of his body playfully. The third figure is unmistakably a wizard with his tall pointed brim hat, elaborate staff, but his robes are actually quite plain looking. The procession makes it to the stage and Claire quickly stops fidgeting with the mirrors. She turns to face the chairs and politely waits with her hands clasped behind her back in the middle of the pool. Elder Griff sits in the middle, the ball of hair sits to his right and the wizard onto his left. The four warrior women take up guard stations on all four corners. The bannerman walks up to the podium Nothing happens for a small second and then the ground shakes and you cannot believe your eyes as from behind, one of the areas of the outer tree wall animates and a 30-foot-tall treant emerges to stand behind Elder Griff. 
This animated tree's bark is knotted into vaguely humanoid features with branches for arms and roots for legs. Have any of you guys ever seen a treant yet? In real life? <laughs> well, obviously real life. <laughs> well, no treants, no. Uh, I never seen uh, probably not. Like yeah. These I've heard of, but uh, never seen. Now that we are all here, we can commence. On today, the 9th of Grozran, we gather. Under the watchful eye of the Mother of Souls, I present Elder Griff of the Dragon Clan. Spirits and swords slam into the ground in unison at the mention of Elder Griff. Bink Madri, representing the gnomes of Sprinkerton. Nitral Heliod, friend of Gwer. The wizard waves. And Calyptos, defender of Feyhaven. The treant remains unmoving. We call you on this day because our glorious Princess Gertrude, all the spears and swords slam on the ground again, has been missing for a month now. It is most disturbing that we cannot find one so precious to us in our own homeland. Gone without a trace exactly one month to this day. Last seen traveling to Trader's Heaven. We implore you to start your investigations fresh as our leads have been quite misleading. Our town is open to you. We just ask you treat our citizens with respect as you start your investigation. Each group will have access to a chaperone from our great nation with whom they can count on for travel, whatever else you may need. As the Bannerman talks, you notice that Nitral has slouched in his chair and appears to be sleeping with an almost anime-sized bubble coming in and out of his nostrils. <laughs> a guard appears with a medium-sized trunk and places it on the ground in front of Elder Griff and opens it towards a small gathering of adventurers, revealing gold coins. 2,000 gold coins as promised for the safe return of the princess. We also have a presentation from, uh, and he nervously looks at Claire, and Claire speaks up, but not really. Claire. Right, Claire, what is it you were going to do for us? Claire appears very nervous. Um, well, I have some silver mirrors, and, um. And all of a sudden, the ball of hair named Bink Madri speaks up. Really? A scrying spell? You think we have not tried this? Silence! Elder Griff somehow screams and whispers at the same time. Bink huffs and crosses his arms. A small bird emerges from the mass of gray hair, and with a small flash, it turns into a cob pipe. It flows to his mouth, and he instantly starts taking many angry puffs from it. Elder Griff simply looks at the bannerman, and he continues. Please continue, my dear. Well, um... Scrying can be affected by many things. Bink stifles another outburst. Claire notices, takes a breath, and bravely continues. Um, did you get, did you get the comb and the nightgown? Two of the warrior women come forward and present the objects to Claire. Claire gently takes the comb and gown and quickly returns to the circle she has dug in the ground, surrounded by silver mirrors. Okay, so uh, I find using water and mirror, like together, it helps. And there's a good amount of hair on this comb. I will try my best. She <laughs> puts on the nightgown. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I came for. <laughs> this bugs Keep the mirrors. Yeah. Claire sits cross-legged in the middle of the pool, clearly not minding getting her pants wet. She puts the comb. <laughs> you guys are perverted. Men writing women. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Get some uh, uh, Robert Jordan uh, written women in here or uh, Terry Goodkind. Oh, the worst. The worst. <laughs> oh, here comes another sex scene from the version of the women. <laughs> 
She puts the comb and gown in the freshly made pool in front of her and closes her eyes. All eyes are on Claire in the middle of the pool. One by one, each mirror changes from reflecting sunlight to a dim light blue. After the last mirror turns light blue, the water turns the same color. Claire's eyes open, and then you see that her eyes are fully light blue as well. She then gets up and walks around, observing each mirror for a few minutes and then the water. The spell takes a long time, and spectators start shifting their weight to keep comfortable. No one talks. Bink is still puffing out clouds of smoke. Elder Griff is focused and unmoving. Nitril is still sleeping. Calyptos has not moved an inch since appearing from the wall. You guys are calmly waiting? Yes, I will wait to see what happens. I'm very interested in what Clay is doing. The spell ends with Claire collapsing to her knees in the water, and all of the light blue disappears from everything at once. Someone going to help her? <laughs> Two of the warrior women rush to help her, but Claire comes to almost right away. Claire gets out of the water, and into the dirt next to the pool, she draws the symbol that she saw. It looks like a large hand with a smaller hand inside of it and a giant X through it all. As soon as this symbol is drawn, Bink leaps from his chair and he freaks out. Does anyone speak Gnomish? I do not. No, but I speak Sylvan. So no one speaks Gnomish? Yeah. No, not me. Pretty sure. <laughs> That's too bad. I, spe- I pay special attention when I hear him speak. This is uh, I'm trying to decipher. Do you I have linguistics? Do have linguistics? Yes. Do you want to roll to see if you can repeat it to someone that speaks Gnomish? Yeah, yes, I would, but I don't know how this works. So, well, basically, I'm going to make it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I. I roll a natural 20. <laughs> 29. Okay, wow. So, I don't speak gnomish, but you guys basically hear... That sounds horrible. Yeah, it's it's a very, like, harsh language, really, for how small they are, especially. A small circle of light appears at Bink's chest, expands in a circular fashion around his hairy body, and when it shrinks again, Bink's Madri is gone. The announcer says, You have your mission? Find out about the symbol, gather information, and find our princess. What was that display all about? This Bink's character, I do not know. He, he says some words. I think I remember what he said, but... I don't know what it means. He sounded like a very angry little hairy guy. And then know. he's gone. This is very strange. Anders, what say you? Yeah, I'd be angry if I was that guy. <laughs> sure, okay. Has, can anybody, does anybody know anything about that symbol that Claire drew? Can we, does anybody know about that? Yes, so I, I, I wish to uh, uh, draw this symbol on uh, parchment that, that okay. I have. Yeah. And it's not a complicated symbol. Um, so you easily do that. And all at once, the other groups are quick to start making their leave. Elder Griff gets up, escorted by his heron, towards the large manor. And Calyptos moves back towards the tree wall. Claire starts gathering her things. And before we get to Crick and Travis, Anders, 
You all of a sudden get the feeling that someone is watching you and the hairs rise on the back of your neck. Still in his seat, you see the wizard introduced as Nitral Haleyard. He is no longer sleeping and he is staring right at you. This isn't an evil stare. It's more inquisitive. When your two sets of eyes lock, he gets up and you see his lips move, but you don't hear what he says as a multicolored magical door appears both in front of him and three feet in front of you. The door opens in front of you and Nitro walks through it with the door disappearing behind him. I must be pissed because that geezer just walked through a rainbow. (laughs) (laughs) Did I see that or do I have to roll a perception? Well, Sanders is with you guys. (laughs) Uh, Do I know what that is? um, You can roll a uh, spell check. Yeah, spellcraft. 18. Yeah, so 15 plus the spell level to spellcraft the spell. And unfortunately for you, it's a fourth level spell. So you do not know what it is with a 15. Don't know what this man is doing. But I like it. I wish to learn this power. He approaches Anders. Oh, yes. Yes. I know you. Anders. You know Anders, me. is that you? Anders Madronus. Yeah, that's me. From uh, Grislania. Y- you you know Grislania? It is you. I never forget a face. Yes, I know. I am so sorry for what happened to Grislania and your family. I knew your father. He was one of the greatest men I have ever had the pleasure of meeting. When he mentions your father and Grislania, two things you've been drinking for 20 years to forget, you kind of get a flashback in your mind, especially because it's morning, so your buzz is just kind of starting. And you're, you're more clear-minded in the morning, for sure. And you're in your mind, you're 20 years back in time to that fateful day when Grislania fell. And you're over your father, who had been eviscerated in battle. He is just bleeding all over the ground. And you're over him and you're just begging, begging your god, Akroma, for the power to heal your father. And it's not coming. And you just remember your father's face and it's just all hitting you at once. And Crick and Travis notice that Anders is just like, really shooken up all of a sudden. Like, normally, he's like jovial, drinking, da-da-da-da-da, escapism, escapism. And now, for the first time, you really see, like, he's just really going through something. I, I can't I can't believe what I'm hearing. Yes, you have been through more than most can handle. And I must say, your appearance, Anders, tells me you still struggle. You must realize you're not at the end, but another beginning. I sense a chroma is still with you. Yes, it pleases me to see you here. The world needs heroes like you, Anders. Don't disappoint it. So as Anders reels from that. Literally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just 
he, he took it back. That was cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, Nitro, he uh, takes a look over at Travis, and he looks you up and down, and he lifts an eyebrow and gives you a little bit of a smile. And then he looks at Crick. You seem to be the only one not hiding from something, yes. You must lead this group and keep them on the right path. I feel a doom coming much larger than the missing princess. Yes, I can smell it in the air. I've heard of this doom. The ancestors have spoken. Yes, the ancestors are not wrong. I've been alive and I've witnessed many dooms. And it's only heroes like you who can stop them. Yes. I agree with your statement. This is what we are here for. We must stop this. This is why I have these, these fine young men under my employ. We will do this together. They will need you now more than ever. The symbol that was drawn is an old gnomish symbol not used for years. Not since the time of the forest gnomes of the Mushroom Circle and the Guarians Ward 200 years ago. It indicates they will not be controlled by humans just because they are smaller people. Yes, yes, it was that attempted invasion from Kalam that united both nations. And since then, they have been peaceful. Until recently, though. This, yes, this is a new development. You must find out as much as you can about this symbol. It sounds like a radical group of gnomes might be behind this. What is it that he had said before he left? I think it was something like this, and then I, I try to repeat it as best I can. That wasn't bad for not knowing the language, but I did hear it myself as well. He said, I knew this would be blamed on the gnomes, yes. This is propaganda. You are making this worse for our relations, Griff. I'm done. Note taking. Yeah, notes are good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because we suck at remembering things for self-induced small you know, reasons. The whole purpose of this is to record it so we can listen to it. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you know anything of this symbol other than what you've said so far? You say I mean, we must learn as much as we can, but where are we to start? I do not know who has revived this symbol and is using it to terrorize the Guarian people by stealing their princess. How long has this symbol been out of uh, circulation, kind of? The war was 200 years ago. Is it not possible that uh, this symbol is simply drawn here to lead our attention away from the true evils? It is possible there was an illusion spell as well. I would be prepared for anything, young adventurers. Do you know of anybody else who may have, who may have used these in the last 200 years or anywhere where we could go to start looking? I cannot help you any further than that, as I do not care for politics. I care more for heroes, for it's them who can change the world for good, yes. You think we're all heroes? I think you have the beginnings. I can sense it in you. Do you see this Claire girl? Do you see, do you see it in her as well? 
Nitral turns to look at Claire as she is packing the last mirror into her sack. She is a hard one to read as her intentions are pure, but I do sense a darkness in Claire, something that is not of her, but is put on her. Perhaps we will speak more with this girl, and perhaps she may come with us under my employ, of course. You are the leader. I can sense it in you. You must be left to your own decisions. You can see Crick kind of like, you know, like nodding along like, yes, yes, I am. Lead, leader is the exact right words for this, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> How did you know my father? I'm an old man. And when your father was a young man, I was still an old man. <laughs> I needed his help for a time, and his valor was matched by no man. I see. That sounds like him. You have the potential of that, Anders. And you said Okroma is actually alive. I sense Okroma about you, whether you sense him or not. Okroma's a piece of shit. That may be true, but you haven't been the best man lately either. Perhaps this can be a new beginning where you can both start a different path to a greater good. That is up to you. Well, I guess it beats the alternative. So is Grislania still standing? What's, what's happened? Anders, I have nothing good to say about the current state of Grislania. It is ruled by a lich, a lich who posed as your bishop, and bitch, <laughs> <laughs> the bishop of Betchland. <laughs> There's the episode. Oh, the bishop of Betchland. <laughs> that is so oh, man. good. <laughs> yeah, how did you not keep Petzlin? <laughs> Put it back in. Yeah, no, you've already used Ox, whatever. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't already used it. Yet. But, like, it's, it's two different towns, anyways. And we're not, it's we're the Bishop of Greslania. <laughs> the Bishop of Betchland. <laughs> uh, damn. Yeah. Alright. <laughs> it is ruled by a lich and surrounded by death. The lich posed as your bishop, and he is the one who you should target your anger at, not a chroma. But my powers. Try them. They are still there. You have just been ignoring them. You have withered. You need to get back on your feet, and you will feel the power again as you progress towards your positive path. Yes, I still sense it in you. Yes. All right, old man. I'll take you at your word. You knew my father. You knew who he was. And I'll just have to trust you. If you could even become half the man your father Lawrence was, Anders, you will be a great, great man. I saw you when you were young. And you were stronger then than you are now. You have it in you. You just have to take it. Yes. Boy, before you shove off, Nitral, um, I was going to ask, did you notice uh, anything about that cabin? Do you know where that might be in your travels? There are many cabins in the wood, young man. I could not begin to tell you which one it may be. I care not for the princess. Yes, I'm sorry to say. I could save the princess, I'm sure. 
but I cannot save all. I cannot do everything myself, no. I need to foster more heroes. Find more to help me. I cannot do it all myself. This must be my priority, not the princess. No, I'm sorry. We don't need this old man. Perhaps if only if he were to show me how he does his rainbow doors. That might prove useful. I cannot just give you a spell. You would not even be able to read it at your level. Your low, low, <laughs> low level. No. <laughs> what else of this doom do you know? I do not know the exact doom. I just know the shape of the world when it's coming. And the shape and the feel is telling me it is coming just like it has come before. Only this time there is more something more sinister to it. Yes, very sinister. Pumpkin spice. It's the pumpkin spice I smell in the air. I've never smelt that with doom before. This is horrible. It is. I despise pumpkin spice. I cannot believe people use it. So I feel like a latte. <laughs> well, this is much to think on. Mm, do you have anything for us for this journey we are to undertake? I have encouragement. Hmm. Go, guys, <laughs> go. You can do it. Yes, I, I, I've used these same words on, uh, on, on these awkward. teammates before. We stand here very awkwardly for like five minutes. Be like, oh, I guess we sh we're, we're supposed to go. Okay. <laughs> he falls asleep. <laughs> All right, well, I, I, unless there's anything else you guys want to say to this man, we must go. Thank you, Nitril. We will be seeing each other again. Yes, you can be sure. You know where to find us, I guess. I do. How is that? It might creep you out if you find out. Yes. And he goes, and just boop, disappears. <laughs> it was a similar to when um, Bink disappeared. Like a light formed at his chest, surrounded him, shrunk, and he was gone. Nice bloke. And there's a 1% chance he ended up not where he wanted to go. I will remember this word. <laughs> the super nerds laughed, and the other people didn't understand what I said. <laughs> but Sam and Arm laughed. <laughs> Sam and Armstrong. Yeah. Uh, well, friends, what what say you? I, I I'm not quite sure what we're, where we are to start. Well, we can start asking around town. I mean, I'm very curious about this gnomish stuff. I mean, you understand it close enough that you really can't. No, I, I just know the sounds. I don't know the words. So you guys are talking, and Anders is looking completely overwhelmed. Excuse me, large large friend Anders. <laughs> yeah. what, what is going on? I'm this old man seems to have uh, made strange feels on your face. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are, are these not the words? <laughs> Strange feels. <laughs> he made fun of me for wet pants. <laughs> hey, my my culture is slightly different than yours, I think. Uh, <laughs> 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 
yeah, you, you just you look like you got wet by a sack of wet trousers. That was like if we did it, bottle cap. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, Anders. I mean, I know you're normally, you know, you don't wear your holding a sleeve or anything, but you look pretty shaken up, mate. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. Oh, it's you know, this is something you want to talk about now? Like, I mean, that's that's pretty heavy stuff. Yeah, it's uh, probably best if I uh, let you all in on my past. Uh, I figured I'd never tell this story again, but uh, after what that geezer just said, it seems appropriate. <laughs> I remember everything like it was yesterday. I wanted nothing but to forget it all, but alas, here we are. In my younger days, I was a night lieutenant of an elite group of paladins in the city of Grislania. The youngest and only one of all my siblings to become a paladin and follow my father's example. My father, Lawrence, was the night commander. Our order was glorious and honorable. Our oath was to stand, to fight, and to die for our people. Our god was Okrama, cursed be his name. I was able-bodied, clear-headed, and pure of spirit. Quite the contrast, isn't it? <laughs> Life was good. Grislania was thriving. People were living in peace. There was law and order. My brothers and sisters all lived well despite our occasional differences and disagreements. It was a holiday in Grislania, midsummer, a day normally of celebration, feasting and merriment. During the morning, we received word from the bishop that there were reports of bandits outside the town at the borders of our control. As a result, my squad and I were deployed to go investigate and assist as needed while the town prepared for the holiday. We mounted up and arrived at the border some hours later. We left our horses at the fence and investigated the crossing and the nearby houses. There were no bandits to be found, no people at all. Just a strange, eerie silence. Even the birds in the forest were not making any sound. We walked deeper into the woods to expand our search. Looking back on it, I should have seen it coming. It was then that the ambush started. Arrows flying from the treetops. Spears being thrown through the air. My men were being riddled with projectiles, one after the other. We ran towards the edge of the woods and back to our horses. It made no sense. We should have immediately sensed this evil presence. We were pursued by vicious beasts of great speed and power, trying to fight them off as we ran. We stood no chance. There were too many monsters. On top of that, our power had failed us. We were no longer able to heal or drive the evil away from us. It felt like a bad dream. As we were powerless to help our brothers as they fell, one after the other. We took refuge behind a large rock as I tried to calm my few remaining men and to make it back to our horses so we could hopefully get reinforcements. We made our move, but I was the only one to make it out of that forest alive. My poor brothers at arms. I should have died with you all. Barathos, Cormac, Irulon, Gregor, Percival. Darius, Alvaro, Philip, Reuben. Forgive me, I failed you. I ran my horse ragged to get back home. After an hour or two of riding, I could see a massive plume of smoke in the direction of the town. I had no idea what hell was waiting for me. I reached the gates of the town, firmly shut, smoke billowing everywhere from the other side of the walls. It was now dark but the sky was lit up with an evil crimson by the massive fire. Intense flames, screams of the innocent, and baying of the beasts 
were all I could hear. I made my way through one of our secret entrances to get to the back of the Paladin Godhouse. The Godhouse smelled like blood and burnt flesh. It had several corpses laying throughout. It was partially burnt down, but the fire was out. I was gobsmacked with what I was seeing from the shattered windows of the Godhouse. Nearly all the homes in our shops were ablaze. Rendered flesh, severed limbs, an unimaginable amount of blood. Slain innocents everywhere in the town square. Men, women, and children. None were spared. They appeared to be taken completely by surprise. Some had tried to seek refuge in the guardhouse. I could see some demons in the town square, cutting the heads off of corpses of my countrymen, and piling the heads up in front of the fane, like some sort of sick monument to the damned. The paladin's heads were separated and put on spikes. The charred midsummer decorations looked perverse next to all this. I stumbled upon a body towards the front of the guardhouse. It was the body of a young page. He used to follow me around everywhere. An orphan boy, no older than eight years, named Theodore. His little hands were burnt off. His eyes gouged out. I'm sorry I wasn't there, Teddy. I'm so sorry. You did not deserve such a horrible end. I found my own father, Lawrence, on the outside of the door to the guardhouse. He was eviscerated, his guts strewn about, and his blood on everything near. He was still clutching his sword. He was still alive, barely. I ran to him immediately, throwing caution to the wind. In a futile attempt, I tried to lay hands on him, but my powers and my so-called God had still forsaken me. My reality was shattering around me. My father spoke to me in a gurgling whisper. He told me that the bishop was responsible for the destruction of Grislania, that not long after I had left with our squad, the bishop had come out to the balcony of the fane, overlooking the town square. Normally he would have a speech for the holiday. Instead, he made a declaration that our god, Okrama, was a false god and had abandoned us. The bishop then announced that the time of man had come to an end and that our kind would be purged from the world. The bishop began laughing in a way that did not sound human. Demons and undead poured into the town from every entrance and out of the doors of the fane. The remaining paladins were quickly overrun without the support of our elite unit, and their bodies were desecrated. Their holy powers had failed them, much like my own. My father tried to protect the guardhouse with his life, the survivors hiding inside, but was no match. He did not know where my siblings were, if they were even still alive, if anyone was still alive. He did not know why our powers had failed. He told me it was very important that I survive and flee the town, abandoning our oath to stand, to fight, and to die. He promised that it would all become clear later. I pleaded with him to stop this nonsense and that I, I should die by his side, sword in hand. He overruled me, and with his ultimate authority, ordered me to immediately leave the way I came. I was still duty-bound, and as such, was forced to reluctantly slink away like a fucking coward. I left my father to die choking on his own blood. I could still hear townspeople screaming and being slaughtered in their burning homes. It wasn't long before the demons sighted me. I heard them coming as they bared down on me. 
I made my way through the secret passage, and I shot it behind me before the demons could reach it. I got back to my already exhausted horse, on the outside of the walls. I then heard the terrible cackling of demons as they spotted me again from the battlements. It wasn't long until the arrows began raining down on my horse and I. Three arrows pierced my body as I made my escape into the darkness of the nearby woods. My horse's legs and flanks took several arrows as well. I must have passed out shortly after on the back of my horse. I awoke an unknown amount of time later. My head was pounding. I was incredibly thirsty. I could barely see. I was in a room I'd never seen before. I heard the excited shout of a woman's voice. In my hazy vision, I could see a few more people enter the room. In a confused panic, I feebly tried to reach for my sword that was not there. I was naked save for a few bandages. They explained to me that they were healers, that I was in a village named Betchland. <laughs> Apparently... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> he just took me through a whole range of emotion. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I'd been discovered unconscious and pinned by the body of my dead horse. It must have ran for miles after I'd gone unconscious and managed to bring me to relative safety, avoiding the ambush party that killed my men. They weren't certain I was going to live. I'd never heard of Betchland before, but had no choice but to take these people at their word. My gear had been stripped off of my body by thieves, or so they tell me, before I was discovered by the townspeople. It took a few weeks of recovery to get back on my feet proper. No one would believe my story. They dismissed it as the rantings of someone with obvious brain damage. But I was there. I know what I saw. I can still see it. No one had heard of Grislania, or my pal Nora either. I did some odd jobs around the village to pay them back for their efforts. It felt like the right thing to do. At night, I pleaded for answers from my wayward god, but never heard anything back. At that point, I realized we'd all been taken for fools. There was no Akroma. There are no gods. There is no point. It's all demonic parlor tricks. Eventually, I tried to just stop thinking about all of it, as it was far too painful. I was certain death would arrive soon. In an effort to cope, I began drinking. I'd never drank a drop in my entire life up until that point. It soon became a habit. I started getting into fights with strangers, screaming at demons that didn't exist. Damning the god that forsook me. Crying for the dead children. The townspeople eventually had enough. They wanted to help, but I didn't want to be helped. They said I had some sort of uh, post-traumatical something or other. They ended up gifting me some decent equipment so I could maybe make my way in the world again. They set me up with an abandoned shack off in the woods beyond the limits of the town. An opportunistic merchant would stop by from time to time to keep me well stocked in booze. Other than that, I was left to fend for myself. Days turned to weeks. Weeks turned to months, months turned to years. I allowed myself to erode into the sloppy, haggard husk of a swill belly you now see before yourselves. I have nightmares every night of what happened. 
Ironically, the only thing keeping me rooted to the reality. And that's about that. After some time, this strange masked fellow happened about my shack. He, uh, he helped me and convinced me to maybe take a step into the world again. And I'll be honest, uh, since I've been out here, I, I can feel the spark of life again. And after what that, uh, that geezer said, maybe there was a purpose to this all. Maybe my father was right. Maybe there was a reason I had to leave. My, my dear Anders, and I, I, I walk up to him and I put like, an arm over kind of one shoulder. There's so much pain inside you. This, I, I, I could always feel, but I understand. You poor fellow. We will right these wrongs. You will see. Thank you, I appreciate that. I vow, as long as I live, I will try to uphold and defend your fallen comrades. Your story touched me in a way that I didn't ever thought I really could, Anders. That was, that's beautiful. And I'm, I'm sorry for your losses. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm happy to have met you blokes. Behind you, you hear some whimpering. And you turn to see Claire in full tears as she heard your story, as she was putting her mirrors into her bag. She doesn't say anything. She just drops her bag of mirrors, runs to you, and embraces you in a hug. Oh, all right then. And she's just sobbing at your shoulder and rubbing your back. Oh, it'll be all right. And then she kind of just steps away and nods at you and looks at you all quickly, briefly. And goes, well, I'm staying here because they want me to cast a spell again tomorrow. So good, good luck. She goes to go collect her mirrors. Are you sure you want to stay here? Perhaps you could come with us. I have to make sure that I'm back in 24 hours because that's when I'll have the strength to call the spell again. That's Elder it. Griff wants me to keep doing it. That sounds pretty good. You could hang out with us for a day. Take your mind off things a bit. Um, There's no telling what it will be by you, next day. Yeah, and you guys are the adventurers. Well, I thought we were going to do a bit of investigating. Talk to people around town, you know, get the, get the buzz, get the word, no? We're leaving? She wipes another tear. She's like, I'm sure you guys can handle it. She starts collecting her things. Yeah, kind of like walk over and like clap, uh, clap Anders on the back again. Just like, then start gathering stuff, just moving up. By the way, Mike, that was awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Did I peek? Nope. nope. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah, that was amazing. Thank you. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> Now I'm all sad and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> he just he just totally got rid of your raging Cliffy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's trademarked. <laughs> so um, we are sex babam, and we're here to make you feel sad and stuff. <laughs> Besides the guards, really, you guys are the only ones left in uh, this. I have a question for Derek. area. Yeah. Who is our guide? Who is our our liaison person? They said every group was going to have one. Mm -hmm. See travel and stuff. Who's that? So you're asking Derek? Yes. Well, I, get, I think you'll find out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Better not be a Kimbo. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally a Kimbo. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, you're kind of, uh, on a mission now to, to gather some more information. Maybe, um, someone's heard or seen this symbol or maybe heard something about the princess. Like they, they basically told you guys to, um, start from scratch because they have looked for a month and they haven't found anything. And keep in mind, like in Fayhaven, like they have a lot of contacts. They have a lot of, um, friends and they know the area very very well and they have been duped so part of getting like an outside influence is they're hoping that you know maybe someone will talk to you that wouldn't talk to them or just like um having an idea outside the box that they wouldn't think of so you know you guys can go maybe do some gather information in the town or Stuff like that. Um, also, uh, also, Travis, um, you're from Trader's Haven, and you've been staying there for a while. And you know there are some shady areas of Trader's Haven, and it sounds like some shady business is going on. So um, you don't really need to roll a wisdom check to maybe think that that might be a place to think about going. Um, but those are kind of your options right now. Yeah, I think we're going to have to converse a little bit, think about who we want to talk to. Because we got the symbol, we got uh, some radical gnomes we want to start questioning about too, see what... So we, can... we don't know this is their gnomes yet. We just know that's the symbol. Perhaps the gnomes is not are, are, are being framed for this, brought into it uh, as a distraction. We don't know. We must we must investigate further. Yeah, I just wanted to talk some gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> I still feel sad about our good friend Anders here, though. Yeah, so I guess that's a question, too. Like, my motivation now, like, because obviously our quest is to help the you save the princess. Um, you can look at it two ways: it's save the princess, or if you don't, if you want to think more like neutral, who doesn't necessarily care about the princess but cares about saving the world type thing and right. building heroes and. And part of that is. And so he just told me to go forward, pretty much. Yeah. Sure, or yeah, like Mike, like my character meeting you, and same thing I'm saying to the others is like same sort of thing. Neutral saying the overarching, worrying about the doom thing rather than the small details. You, you, do whatever you need to do along the way to, yeah, for the big thing. That's my guys. What I've been saying to you anyway. So you can take what you will of any of it. Yeah, like you, you know that you'll get more powerful by doing these small things yeah. to progress to doing bigger things. Like your equipment isn't very good. You know what you were. You were about. You were a higher level dude. You know that. You know, it's going to take money which this quest provides you. This quest provides you 2,000 gold. And you know it costs money for good armor, good weapons, right? That's another thing. You're not ready to save the world now. You can't just march into Gresslandia and face a lich. We don't have any real leads anyways, aside from just going there and kicking ass. Yeah. And plus, you are lawful good. Like, you probably care that the princess is found safe more than Nitril, who is a seasoned guy with God knows what alignment, but... Probably good, right? But, like, he, he sees the big picture, definitely. You can tell. Um, but, yeah, it all it all has to start somewhere. And uh, here's a great opportunity to make some money. So I would be like, yeah, whatever we are doing, I'm I'm now committed to, to helping you guys. Yeah, and you and probably... 
Like, like, I think I'm going to stop drinking probably pretty quick, if not already. Like, this is now going to be the, the thing to kind of well, break him out of it. That'd be too harsh. Yeah, he's going to... You, you could do like, a gradual thing, keep right? Keep in mind, if you stop drinking just like that, you'll be very you'll ill. Get sick. Yeah, you'll probably die. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You can die from uh, stopping drinking, being an alcoholic, Shock. but yeah. you can't die from heroin. From stopping? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that shows you how strong alcohol is. In that case, You're going to have to wean. <laughs> my motivation is going to be to get a drink then after that fucking... Well, you intense. probably really want to drink. Yeah. And you probably okay. feel or close to the boys. Now. Yeah. Or I was drinking... Maybe like flavor text. I was drinking as soon as that guy said that he knew my dad. I was like, I'm assuming okay. you basically like you're a seasoned drinker. Seasoned drinkers, they always have a flask somewhere. Okay, yeah. Like they always have something, right? Maybe you poured some of that beer from last night in a flask and put it in your boot. I was about to cast some spells to get you some drink. Nice. Because those are my only spells. And I only some <laughs> once a day. I haven't been brought up yet. I could really use a drink, please. I'm quick as a wink. Travis reaches into his sack, he finds his collapsible cup, opens it, gives it to Anderson and said, what's your favorite? Oh my God. Uh, I'll take a beer, please. An ale. <laughs> An ale. Anything he wants and, and he I just gets a beer. water into the cup. Yeah. And I, I use another spell. Yeah. And Travis casts water to wine. He asked for a beer and he gave him wine. No, it's just, that's the name of the, the spell. Name of the spell. Oh. <laughs> I can change it pretty much any alcohol you can think of. Okay. So I change it to the most robust kind of beer that I can think of. Like, not, not, not a mead. Like a Nothing German stout? stout? Like a dark thick, ale. dark... Yeah, like as dark as I think his soul is. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Not, but there's that little, like, vanilla flavor. Just to cut that like chocolate burn. Yeah. yeah. You're gonna be a quite the handy companion to have around. <laughs> I thank you. And then Andrew so starts chugging strange. it. Anytime you have done. Except, you know, only once a day. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell me you guys leave the baby. We'll leave the bin. <laughs> we meander around town some more. <laughs> let's, let's, let's just examine this area. Let us let enjoy his beverage yeah. for a second. Yeah. And then we'll leave the fucking Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting. Cheers to Anders. Cheers. Cheers to Anders. Uh, yeah. All right. You hear Claire in the back. I'm wasted. <laughs> perhaps uh, now that you have your uh, a drink for for that, uh, perhaps we can get the road on the show. You know. <laughs> right. Sounds good. Okay then. We we must go. Come. Come. I have to eat, Lita. Ah. Yes. Uh, he kind of like back stiffens up a bit. Like. <clears throat> Yeah, perfect. This is this is good. Okay, let's go. And then uh, 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 Crick, Crick starts heading off back towards the the main area there. I follow behind. Okay. So after a heartfelt speech from Anders, some hugs, you guys decide to continue the adventure, and you leave the inner Bailey of the Dragon Clan. You exit the two doors with dragons on them, and the doors close behind you. From behind, you hear, I am to be your chaperone. And it is akimbo. Yeah. It's not akimbo. How are they going to find the princess? What information are they going to find? 
Well, you're just going to have to keep listening next week. What? I'm going to start the investigation now. No, wait a week. Uh, That's it. That's how this works. Same bat time, same bat channel. Yes. (laughs) 